This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll It was 1935, and for a long time now, the Soviet government had been building a case against the last Lubavitcher Rebbe's father, Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Schneerson, who was the chief rabbi of the city of Yekaterinoslav in the Ukraine. The rabbi was known to constantly be pushing back against the Soviet authorities. He was accused of being a traitor of the state, a counter-revolutionary, and an anti-government activist. And this had been going on for many years already. Every time the government pushed the rabbi, the rabbi pushed back. And so far, he had succeeded in avoiding going to prison or being caught by the authorities. I'll give you an example. One time, the Soviet government was conducting a census in which all Soviet citizens were asked whether or not they believed in God. Now, in the Soviet Union, answering that you believed in God could have been very dangerous. You could have lost your job, lost your housing, maybe even lost your life, be sent into exile. And so everybody in the Jewish community was planning on answering, no, that they did not believe in God. That is, everyone except for Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Schneerson. When the rabbi heard that even religious Jews were going to say that they didn't believe in God because of fear of the Soviet authorities, he started running from one shul to the next begging people not to deny that God exists. And as a result of him going around the Jewish community and campaigning for people to answer that God exists, he was summoned to appear before the Soviet authorities. Rabbi Yitzchak, he answered the questions. He said, I don't understand why you think I'm doing something wrong. You're calling me a counter-revolutionary and an anti-government activist. But I know that the Soviet Union teaches that people have to tell the truth. And when I learned that some Jews were planning on lying, I simply did my job as a loyal Soviet citizen and told them that they have to tell the truth. And of course, the truth is that God exists. So in that case, they had to let him go. But over time, they kept finding more and more reasons for putting Rabbi Levi Yitzchak in prison. And eventually, he was summoned to appear in a Soviet court on the charges of conducting Jewish activities in his home. Now, since this was completely against the law in the Soviet Union, if he were to be found guilty, the punishment would be very serious. As it came closer to the court day and the rabbi learned who the two witnesses were, he was a little concerned. The first witness was the director of the housing unit in which Rabbi Levi Yitzchak and his family lived. Now, of course, all housing in the Soviet Union was provided for by the Soviet government. And in this particular building, there was a young Jewish man who was a sworn communist. And he was given a special apartment at the bottom of the building where he could watch everyone who came in and out of the building. And his job was specifically to watch what happens in Rabbi Levi Yitzchak's apartment. Not too long before, at around 11 o'clock at night, there was a knock at Rabbi Levi Yitzchak's door. An older woman comes in, and she nervously looks around to make sure that nobody besides the rabbi and his family are there. 
She whispers to the rabbi, Rabbi, I came from a far city that I can't tell you the name of the city. But in another hour, exactly at midnight, my daughter and son-in-law are going to come here. They both serve in high-ranking positions in the Soviet government. And just coming here is a matter of life and death for them. It was only after I begged them and pleaded with them that they come here to have a Jewish wedding that they said that they would. But they said a condition. The chuppah would take place only in your home, Rabbi, and no place else. So I came here to prepare everything for when they arrive. Exactly at midnight, the couple arrived, and they were brought into a side room so that nobody could see them. Rabbi Levi Yitzchak started preparing for the wedding. The first thing he needed was a minion, but it was after midnight now. The streets were empty. No one was walking around. And so he started going around from apartment building to apartment building, finding Jews that he could trust, that wouldn't share the secret. Otherwise, the life of the rabbi and the young couple and everyone who was there could be in danger. And within half an hour, there were nine people, including the rabbi. But one was missing. They needed a tenth person for the minion. So what did the rabbi do? In that apartment building was the young Jew, who was the sworn communist. And his job was to spy on the rabbi and make sure nothing suspicious was happening. So the rabbi went down to this man's apartment and knocked on the door. Of course, he was sleeping, but eventually the man woke up. And when he sees the rabbi at the door, he says, Rabbi, what are you doing here? The rabbi said, listen, we need you as the 10th man for a minion. Me? The guy jumped back. He said, what are you, crazy? Don't you know what I'm here for? I'm here to spy on you. The rabbi said, yes, I, I know that. But it doesn't matter right now. We're making a wedding in my apartment. We need a 10th man. And you're the 10th man. So the young man, he looks around. He closed all the windows. And he ran upstairs to the rabbi's apartment. And when he was there, he made sure that all the windows were closed there as well. And he sat on the side, and he watched everything happen. The rabbi's wife brought out a big tablecloth, and that served as the chuppah. And four people held it up. The rabbi wrote out the ketubah. The chatan and kala were called from the side room where they were hiding. And both of them covered their faces so that no one would recognize them there because they were such high-ranking members of the government. The wedding began, there were no candles because nobody wanted to draw any attention. The kala walked around the chatan seven times, as is the custom. The rabbi said the blessing over the wine, they put the ring on the finger, and now it was 1.30 in the morning, and everybody left, except for two. The two people that remained were the chatan and kala, the high-ranking officers in the government. They took out their cards from the Communist Party, and they said to the rabbi, Rabbi, even though we're still members of the Communist Party, and we're still members of the government, we're pledging our allegiance to you. You, Rabbi, you are our leader. So this was the first witness, the young man who was in the apartment downstairs, whose whole purpose in existing for the Soviet government was to spy on the rabbi. The second witness had been involved in another activity that could cause real problems for Rabbi Levi Yitzchak. One day, a secret messenger came to the rabbi's house and told him that the next day, the woman's husband, who's a high-ranking communist member of the government, would be away on business from morning until night. And the real reason for him not being there was to allow the rabbi to come and do a brit milah, a circumcision, on their son. Rabbi Levi Yitzchak didn't know if he was walking into a trap or not, but the next day, he performed the bris for the baby, and the baby was brought into the covenant, into the brit of the Jewish people. That evening, when the baby's father returned home, 
He made a big deal about what had been done to his son without his knowledge. However, the boy had been circumcised just like the mother had wanted. And so the rabbi wasn't sure what the woman would say when she was testifying in the court. When the trial opened, there was a great deal of tension. The director of the housing project was the first one to be called to testify. As you all know, he started off, I know exactly what's going on in my apartment building. I watch everything that's happening there day and night. And I know everyone who goes in and out of Rabbi Schneerson's apartment. But the only unusual visitors that I've ever noticed are two old relatives that drop by from time to time. Everyone in the court is looking at one another. They didn't expect that. Now it was the turn of the second witness to speak, whose husband was a high-ranking officer in the Soviet government. She said, As a neighbor of Rabbi Schneerson, I always expected that as a spiritual leader, he would try to reach out to fellow Jews in the building. And I find it very surprising that after all the years of us living one next to another, I never noticed any illegal activities in all the time he's lived next door to me. So, Reb Levi Yitzchak Schneerson was able to come out of the court case as innocent, but eventually the government kept finding more and more evidence against him, until in 1940 he was declared an enemy of the people, and exiled to Central Asia, and after much suffering there, he eventually passed away on the 20th of Av, 5704, 1944. His son in 1951 became the next Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Rebbe that all of us know today. And you know, there were so many great rabbis all over the world, in Europe, in the Middle East. And we really only know about this great Rabbi Schneerson and the merit of his son who became the Rebbe. And that's why I always say at the beginning of the podcast, my sweetest friends, you'll never know because you never know what somebody's doing. And it doesn't have to be a great rabbi or rebbeton. It could be you. It could be me. So do all you can to help your fellow Jews. And we should be inspired by the actions of a great Jew, like Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Schneerson. As an added bonus, here's Reb Levi Yitzchak Schneerson's nigun, sung by his son, the Lubavitcher Rebbe. <laughs>
Thank you so much for listening to these stories. If you know somebody who still hasn't heard of the Hasidic Story Project, you know what they're missing out on. Please make sure to share a link with them, either from the website, HasidicStory.com, or from wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. And of course, make sure to leave us a review and five stars. It makes a big difference in the charts and more people will see the podcast and be able to listen to it. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to sharing our next story together.